I'm DJ Psyched, and you're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. Let's get psyched about reading. You're listening to the Get Psyched Podcast. I'm DJ Psyched, and today we're getting psyched about reading again. This is the last Harry Potter book that we're going to be talking about, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I'm here with Ella, aka Miss Psyched. Can you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Ella. How did you get into this series? How old were you, and what were your first impressions? So I was, I think, like eight. Like I was in like second grade. I was really young, and me and my twin brother were super into it. Like, we just, I don't know, we just picked them up and we read them like two times in a year and just became obsessed. And then we watched all the movies. I actually hadn't read them in a while. Then you asked to do this. So I, that was the first time I had read a Harry Potter book in like a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the series, the genre is fantasy, science fiction, a little bit of drama and mystery. The length of this book was 759 pages. It was a pretty long one, but surprisingly not the longest in the series. And this was the first one that I read as like a hard book instead of an ebook. So that was kind of interesting because, you know, even though some of the other ones were longer, they didn't feel quite as long because it was a little ebook. But it was kind of painful reading that thick book. Like, I didn't pick it up that often because it was just so annoying to like have to hold that big thing. Yeah. <laughs> but a short summary of what this book's about. It's the end of the series. Harry knows that he has to find the last of the Horcruxes. He learned about them in the last book. He knows that he has to face Voldemort. He knows this is about to be the end. He takes Ron and Hermione on this journey initially, but later in the book, he actually lets people help him. And there's like this big epic battle scene. That's a really brief summary without giving away spoilers, but now spoilers are fair game for the rest of the episode not that i mean i feel like one if you clicked on this podcast you probably have read it but also i feel like most people like if they're into harry potter they've read it by now we're just going to get right into the story and i want to start with the very beginning of the story just like any other classic harry potter book this one starts out with harry back at the dudley's place and this time it's going to be his last time seeing them i thought it was really interesting how dudley like changed in the last few moments of them being together yeah what were your thoughts on that scene I don't know because I spent a long like I don't know I don't like Dudley like he he is a little bitch like <laughs> um yeah like throughout the whole series he's like nobody likes him and then in those last few moments it was so cute I thought yeah and I mean I I was more like I remember more of the mom do you remember her name Dudley's mom Petunia Petunia, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember her more just because, I don't know, you would you would think that she would be more like, more like how Dudley was, but she was like the opposite. I thought she was going to be like, I don't know, like how he, he was like actually like seemed like he was going to miss Harry. Yeah, he got an interesting like slight redemption in that scene. And I, I also was kind of expecting Petunia to have something similar because I don't remember which book, maybe it was the book right before, but I feel like there was a moment where it kind of seemed like she cared about Harry because she like stood up to her husband about him because I don't even remember the exact scenario, but I thought that she was leaning towards like actually caring about Harry or yeah. having some kind of respect for him. But she definitely lost that arc in the last few moments. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought... Dudley's change was interesting just because I didn't really think much of that scene in the previous book where Harry saved his life when um, the Dementors came in, but I guess it had like a huge impact on him. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because it was the Dementors, so like, what's his name? Dudley couldn't even see what was happening or anything. I could imagine like how terrifying, especially Dudley's a little scaredy cat yeah and i think an interesting point that someone brought up like when i was watching someone do like a recap of the series that they brought up how like this moment kind of highlights the fact that dudley wasn't evil by like his own choice he was raised to be that way and we see that a lot in this last book where we're finally starting to see how like 
characters who were raised and acted a certain way when they were younger, now that they're older and this is the final book and this is their moment to show their maturity, they show that they do have their own thoughts and opinions outside of how they were raised because they're finally old enough to make those choices. Like we see that in like Malfoy and here we see it in Dudley, you know, like he was very much a product of his environment with the way that he treated Harry. Like he, he, he wasn't going to be nice to Harry when his parents were spoiling him growing up and then hating Harry. But yeah. now that he's finally old enough and he had that moment to speak his mind, he was like, you know, Harry's really not that bad. And he showed some humanity in that moment. Yeah, I mean, he probably, like, I don't know, it seemed like, like he was going to miss him. And I feel like after, you know, Harry had saved him before, Dudley was, like, doing a lot of thinking, like, about, you know, that moment where he could have died. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't remember exactly how it goes, because, like, that was such a long book. I really don't remember the beginning that well anymore. Yeah. He, like, Harry did some reflecting and realized that although he thought that Dudley was, like, avoiding him or, like, trying to torture him, he was actually trying to be nice to him. Like, he thought that he had left something outside of his door so it would break, but he was really just giving him tea because he was trying to be nice to him. I do remember that, yeah. That was sweet. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was cute. Like, he was actually, like he didn't want to outright be nice to Harry because his family still hated Harry and like, and you know, like it yes. just would have been so out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, Dudley had to go with his parents, like instead of, yeah. Yeah. You probably not want to make the people angry that you're about to go run away with. Exactly. Yeah. But keeping with the family, like you did mention Petunia. I thought it was interesting that we briefly got to learn a little bit more about Petunia through Snape's flashbacks. Yeah. What do yeah. you think of, like, those scenes? I thought it was really nice to see, like, I mean, it kind of explained why she hated, like, anything that had to do with magic. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, she was just jealous, like, when she was little that she couldn't do any of that stuff. But I don't know. I and I thought it was actually so adorable that she wrote a letter to Dumbledore <laughs> to, like, see if he would let her go to the school. I think that's why she, like, hated it so much. Yeah. I thought it was kind of sad because, like, I mean, she just, like, as a kid, she just wanted to be included. I don't know. I just, like, I felt like I, even as a little kid, she didn't have to be so, like, like, she could have, she just seemed so, like, since she didn't have the powers or whatever, she was so, like, against it, like, and I don't know, did it seem like their parents were against it, too, or was it just her, because she was jealous, and I also don't know how old she was, I don't know, I just feel like as a little kid, even if you didn't have it, like, you might, you might as well be nice to the people who do, so they can, like, do some cool stuff for you. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's, like, a lot of ambiguities like that in the series, where, like, we don't really, we have to kind of fill in the gaps in our head of maybe what other people were like or how it got that way because we don't get the full picture. I mean, I don't know what her parents would have been like either, but I do think that like, as far as like Petunia as a kid, like sure, like you could kind of say like, oh, but she still could have been a little better. But at that point, we're still talking about a child here. So I think that like, it kind of makes sense that like she wanted to be a part of it and she was left out that she would lash out as a child. The part that I think makes Petunia like, pathetic is that she couldn't like grow up and mature and like see past that jealousy and that envy and like embrace the wizarding world especially given the unique situation she was in I mean she like had to raise Harry after losing her sister like she wasn't even capable of turning it around after her sister died yeah uh, which is (laughs) incredible incredibly like heartless and um immature but as a kid it made sense I mean she's a kid kids are kids kids don't know how to deal with healthy like emotions healthily they don't know how to stop and I mean kids can learn this stuff but it's it's more understandable that a kid would feel that the kind of way that Petunia felt and be like immature about their jealousy than it is for a grown woman to hold on to that kind of grudge through even like the most traumatic of events (laughs) And, like, basically neglect and abuse Harry, like, his entire life. Like, I wouldn't yeah. even say basically. That was definitely neglect and abuse. <laughs> I thought that was really sad to see. That, like, 
had things turned out differently had she been able to be a part of the wizarding world too or had she just grown up like harry could have had such a better life yeah a lot of adults ruin Harry's life in this series, but we'll talk more about how Dumbledore ruined his life later. <laughs> Something else that I wanted to bring up about the story, because I'm kind of, I kind of want to go at it like in chunks by how the scenes are. I'm obviously not going to do every scene in this book because then this would be like a seven hour long podcast. But to just highlight some of the big scenes, um, there was the scene where they're like moving Harry from their place and they're trying to move them to the safe house or whatever and they use the polyjuice potion to make all those harrys i just thought it was really interesting that polyjuice potion like was so popular in this book like they used it like at least three big times through three major scenes yeah what did you think of that scene i thought it was really cool and i actually like watched the beginning um earlier today just the beginning of harry potter of like the first movie because it's two movies and I thought like when once they arrived like Harry and Hagrid and then you know how after they arrived like everybody else came it was so much more dramatic in the book than than it seemed in the movie I don't know I was like kind of underwhelmed when I was watching it yeah definitely yeah well we can touch more on the movie comparisons later because that is what we're going to get on but as far as the scene, yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was such a big thing in the book, but it was kind of like, eh, in the movie. But I think you could say that about almost every Harry Potter scene. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but something else that this, this part of the movie kind of like really stood out to me or whatever was just how confusing some of the rules of Harry Potter can get. Because like here is where we have it. We're having that like weird thing where like, all throughout this book, there's this, like, weird connection between Harry and Voldemort. I mean, it's already previously existed, but it feels like the rules continue to change throughout this book, like, how their connection works and how it affects both of them. And then, of course, there's that whole issues of the wands throughout the entire movie, where it's, like, the twin core and, and wands switch loyalty. And I just feel like, personally, I read it, but I was not comprehending a lot of stuff because it was so inconsistent and I felt like the rules were just changing to conveniently fit what was happening. I completely agree. I was really confused. Like, yeah, I was really confusing because at first he was like trying to find different wands and then he just decided to go with the elder one. Yeah, it was really confusing. And I understand where like JK Rowling was going with some of this stuff because like there's plenty of moments where you could stop and be like, okay, well, this is low-key kind of cheap like she could like you could see like holes where like the characters could have done something smarter or like this whole scene didn't have to exist because you could have just done it the right way but obviously as a writer you want to make your story interesting and last and like build the drama and all that but sometimes it just felt really whack like I felt like the rules really like adjusted to the scenes or the books that were necessary especially when it comes to things like the secret keeper or the trace like they were very inconsistent Yeah, definitely with the trace thing. Right? That made, like, zero sense. That was the most, like, weird rule to throw in the series. Yeah. And they didn't even mention it, like, I mean, I I could be wrong, because it's been, like, a while since I read the other books. But in the third book, I think, that's when, is that when, no, the fifth book, that's when Harry Potter gets in trouble for using magic, right, outside of school and was that like also the trace i think so i okay the way that i remember the trace rules which are just so weird in themselves but they're also just not consistent is the fact they say like okay if if magic is used within the vicinity of someone who's underage they would be alerted but if that person grew up in a wizarding household, obviously the parents are using magic, so it's up to the parents to enforce that rule. But since Harry lived with muggles, it was obvious if magic was used around him that it was him doing it. But there were plenty of moments in the Harry Potter series where like another wizard would use magic in front of Harry and it wouldn't be like this, the trace just conveniently didn't find out because like plenty of wizards visited Harry at their place and used magic in front of them and the trace didn't matter in those moments. Yeah. And then the whole fact that the trace like is up to the parents if you're raised by wizarding parents, how's that even fair? 
Yeah. Like I bet those kids use magic all the time because they're totally going to get away with it. What are their, their parents don't have a trace on them. They don't see them 24 seven. It's discrimination against muggle families. So unfair. <laughs> I just, yeah, I hate that. I don't know. The, the trace thing I think was, I, I kind of get why it was there, but at the same time, like what? And then someone pointed out the biggest plot hole in Harry Potter because of the trace. Like Voldemort was underage when he committed his first murder, but like they didn't find out about the murder. The trace wasn't existing back then. I guess not. I guess the wizard magic wasn't advanced enough. I guess not. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the rules just, they just make everything confusing, especially when it came to the wand and like Voldemort's connection to Harry. The entire ending of this story, low-key, made no sense to me. I thought it was really weird, but we'll get to that later when we talk about the ending. But I honestly just, the inconsistencies blow my mind, especially with the secret keeper. What are your thoughts on like the secret keeper rule? I didn't understand it. I didn't, I didn't like, I was just like, let's move on you know to the more important stuff yeah i think the funniest thing i've ever heard about the secret keeper was the fact that like none of this story would exist if the secret keeper laws were consistent because like in the book that the the seventh book right bill and floor like bill is his own secret keeper like they say that he's his own secret keeper at the place they're staying Meaning that James Potter could have been his own secret keeper and no one would have given him up. Yeah. <laughs> they made it seem like he had to make someone else the secret keeper. But then later on, Bill's his own secret keeper. So James was just being extra and that's his fault. <laughs> it's all his fault. His fault. But I do think like, obviously, like, I don't know. But it's just, con- it is a little confusing, some of these rules, because I think that like, they do kind of bend to the wills of the stories. I don't know. I just thought it was really really funny that they like abuse the heck out of polyjuice potion all the time in this book yeah i mean imagine if you could like really have some polyjuice potion though who would you who would i be (laughs) i don't know i mean i guess it depends on the scenario right like like if i really wanted a job i'd probably walk up in there steal a piece of the boss's hair and then walk in and hire myself the next day but how how could you hire yourself (laughs) You- because I would, I would become the boss with the polyjuice potion. I would go in and I'd oh. be like, guess who I'm hiring today? And then I'd send the email through my email because I would, I'd be that person for the day. That's a good answer. <laughs> what would you do with polyjuice potion? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know why my first thought was like, how could I use it to steal something? <laughs> Thief! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'd become a famous person and see what it's like for a day. Which celebrity? Um, honestly, probably Selena Gomez. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Predictable. No, I'm just kidding. I guess the next big thing to talk about in this series is the Horcruxes. Is that how you say that? Horcruxes. Horcruxes. Are the Horcruxes? Because that's like what they're doing. Like the whole movie, they're chasing down these Horcruxes things, and I thought the pacing was so interesting because it like takes them like three-fourths of the book to get like one and then at the end they're just like horcrux 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 literally yeah and also i don't know if you were gonna bring this up but i have to i don't understand why they didn't just keep the locket in hermione's bag like why did they take turns wearing it i don't get it that is a great point I wasn't going to bring that up, but I was going to bring up the fact that they like it made them so aggressive and angry, and that would have been the perfect solution. Ron wouldn't have even left if they would have just kept the Horcrux in the bag. I don't know. I don't know, because the Horcruxes, yeah, they definitely agitated him and pushed him over the edge, but I still feel like Ron probably would have left without that pushing him, because... Yeah. It wasn't like the thing was planting false ideas in his head. He said it himself. Him and Hermione had kind of discussed before how they both felt some type of way that Harry had put them on this adventure without a lot of like knowledge. And I'm not saying I dislike Ron that much, but sometimes I feel like in this series, Ron has a way of being really immature and like kind of taking things out on people in a sense. Like I, I know he's not the worst character and like, I don't know, someone told me that I was too influenced by the movies, but I really didn't like the movies, and I suck at paying attention during movies because, like, my mind goes at a million. I, I don't watch movies. Uh, too much ADHD for that. 
But when I was reading the books, I really didn't, I didn't like Ron that much. And so I kind of feel like maybe I'm biased and that's why I think he would leave because I don't really like him. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like the Horcrux, all it did was make it happen sooner. I feel like eventually, especially because like they were struggling to find food for whatever reason, I don't know why they were struggling to find food, but he was getting hangry and he was tired of like wasting his time or whatever. I feel like it only sped up the process. I think he would have left at some point. He would have regretted it all the same and came back just like he did. But I still feel like him having that moment where he hashed out at Harry that hard, that was like kind of inevitable for his character. I don't know how he could leave Hermione like that. Oh my, I don't ship him and Hermione at all. I think that he is the worst. He's not a decent like boyfriend to her. Ugh, that ship, we could talk about ships if you want. That ship's the worst. (laughs) I'm so down to talk about ships. I just think that like, Hermione is just this very mature like emotionally and like even just as far as school goes like in every way she's more mature than both of these characters like Harry and Ron and Ron just is one of the least mature characters out of the trio so I don't I don't see how the most mature and the least mature are like a good match I think that it was it was a cheesy romance because they've known each other so long but as far as like a concrete relationship that would work in real life I don't think they have it same. Yeah, I definitely agree. I always thought Hermione was way too good for Ron. But I mean, like, I wouldn't ship her with Harry either. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, I don't ship her with Harry either. Yeah. I mean, like, when I was younger and reading the books, I thought they were the cutest couple ever. But, like, then I grew up. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, Hermione, Hermione's like, the reason why they did anything that they like the reason why they got any of the horcruxes or like even survived half the shit they survived she like carried them i still say that hermione and neville would have been a a fun pairing to have seen yeah but i like the idea of luna and neville i also like the idea of luna and harry (laughs) i think luna and harry would have been kind of neat especially because i mean I don't, I don't really like the fact that, like, I feel like Ron and Hermione ended up together because they were main characters. Like, I feel like the compatibility was not at all a fact. They were two main characters. It would have made the story a little more interesting if the main characters fell in love, you know? At least why I never, like, kind of shipped Luna and Neville is because, like, I feel like it's kind of a cheap story thing to just mash people up based on, like, character strength. And I know that's not probably why you're doing it, but, like, I don't want two background characters get together and two main characters get together i think it'd be interesting if you could mesh in your story to make what seem like less important characters have some kind of importance with the main character and then kind of push their arc that way you know kind of like jenny and harry yeah except she may have had a good arc in the book but i don't she was not in that movie i don't like (laughs) i don't know i think she was random in both the movie and the books like I don't know. I don't really, I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't hate Harry and Ginny together, but it was just like, like, I don't know. Just kind of, yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> it was hard to get attached to their coupling because even like, I feel like in the books, once it happened, it made no sense when it happened. It was fast. It felt like it was out of nowhere. At least when I read it, I was like, what? He likes who? But they were able to at least develop the relationship a little bit in the book after it started but in the movie, they, they failed at both. Like, it made no sense when it happened, and then it made no sense when it continued. In the book, it was, like, I, I feel like I remember Harry being, like, like, Harry kind of thinking about her a little bit, like, when she was, you know, around. But, like, I don't know, when she wasn't around, I feel like I didn't ever even know that Harry, like, I forgot that Harry liked Ginny. <laughs> he thought about her, like, twice in that book because he was deeply in love. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that coupling really... It didn't make much sense. And to say that, like, oh, Harry and and Yinny got together because of, like, the fact that they both knew what it was like for Voldemort to get in their head, this is trauma bonding. That's not really romantic. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's what some people tell me. They're like, because I was like, oh, it made no sense when they got together in the book. And they're like, no, they both knew what that was like. And I was like, that's not a healthy way to get into a relationship. We both have the same problems. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really passionate about that many other ships. Honestly, I don't think 
I because the story was the main focus and like the Voldemort and like the action, I feel like friendships carried this story. I wasn't bothered by the romance, even though I didn't like it a lot. But I honestly think the story probably would have been the same had the romances really not been a big deal at all. Like had they like they weren't a super big deal. But had they just kind of been an afterthought, I would have been just fine with that because I don't think the romance is really added to the story. Yeah, at all. really, like what the story is about. Nobody, nobody's like, oh yeah, Harry Potter, where Harry and Ginny get together. Like exactly, it's not like Twilight. You know, when people think of Twilight, they like go after like the ships or whatever. Like you don't really do that with Harry Potter. Like, I mean, sure, there's plenty of people who write fan fiction who probably feel that way about it but other than that like most people don't think of that when they think of the harry potter series yeah another scene that comes shortly after that like when when ron you know messes up and leaves and then he comes back something that really bugged the living daylights out of me when it happened because i just thought it was so negligent and unnecessary was when ron warned harry and hermione many times that Voldemort's name was now cursed and they couldn't say it or they'd be so screwed. And Harry apparently gave no shits because he just said his name like a couple weeks later and got them all screwed. Like, like <laughs> so quick. pissed me off. Yeah, definitely. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and had it not been for that, there wouldn't have been that whole scene where like Hermione was getting tortured and then, and then freaking um Dobby wouldn't have R.I.P. died Dobby would have been just fine had Harry been like at least like kind of cognizant of like I don't know like you would think such an important rule like they Voldemort like the Death Eaters will come if you say his name and Harry's like yeah should I remember that yeah I don't and it's like even before they cursed it or whatever saying his name was like a big thing like even it took Hermione a while to not be too scared to say it and then they were just like now that it's important and now that you can't say it they were like who who gives a, who cares yeah and I remember in one of I don't in one of the early books Dumbledore told Harry that like by not saying the name he was giving power to it or something that like of a name only um, increases fear of the thing itself or something. Yeah, when he said that shit. <laughs> like, after that, Harry, like, acted like he had to save Voldemort at every chance he mm-hmm. got. Like, other people were still scared to say it and, like, whatever, but Harry was always like, Vold- Voldemort, Voldemort, I, Voldemort. Which, I mean, was fine because at the time, saying the name really didn't mean much. But what kills me is that, like, he was warned how serious it was. And he, like, he literally had the fate of the wizarding world and and the muggle world because, like, Voldemort was going to take over. Yeah. He had the fate of, like, the whole world in his hands. And he couldn't bother to remember not to say Voldemort's name, even as Ron tried to stop him mid-sentence. He just had to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous. So that's an- another reason that Harry didn't deserve Hermione. He's obviously stupid. <laughs> but he is good enough for Hermione. He's <laughs> reckless. He's just reckless. But yeah, that scene agitated the life out of me because it, it that caused so many things to happen. And that didn't need to happen. Like, he just didn't need to say it. And mm-hmm. I think that, honestly, at that point in the story, it made no sense that he did say it. You know, like, I was pretty irritated by that scene because I'm like, I just don't think Harry would say it. After knowing how important that is. Yeah. You, I mean, but if they didn't go to uh, Malfoy Manor, then they wouldn't have known that there was a Horcrux in Bellatrix's vault, and they wouldn't have become friends with the goblin who got them in there. And also, Luna would be stuck there. These are fair points, but <laughs> then you have to think about the fact that Dobby died for this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I guess it conveniently furthered the story that they made it there because that's also the moment when he stole Malfoy's wand, which made the the elder wand his. So I guess it was important to happen, but Harry didn't know that when he said it. <laughs> it's not like he was like, I'm a mastermind. I'm going to get us in a little trouble and it's going to save us later. Yeah. He's just being stupid. <laughs> and it worked out for him in a way. 
I think that happened a lot throughout the entire series, honestly. That's how you summarize the Harry Potter series. Harry does something dumb, and conveniently, it saves everyone's life. While Hermione also saved everyone's life, too. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really remember exactly what happens next. I mean, yeah, they break into the bank, Polyjuice Potion again. And at some point after that, right, we, I feel like we learn about the Deathly Hallows after all that takes place. Mm-mm. Wait. No? Yeah, because what about when they went to, what's his name's? When that they went was, to Luna's place? Yeah. The oh, love, that happened before, that was right? Before, yeah. That was before they went to Malfoy Manor. Yeah, because that's when they knew Luna was there. I thought the Deathly Hallows was an interesting touch on the end of the story. And I really liked that when we learned what the Deathly Hallows were and what the three like pieces were, I loved that the invisibility cloak that Harry had all along was a part of it because it made the Deathly Hallows seem a lot less random, you know? Yeah. It would have been weird if, like, in the last book, this huge, ancient, mysterious thing showed up and it had no connection to the story at all. But, like, Dumbledore had the Elder Wand and, like, it kind of explains that big battle that he had with, what was it, Grinwald? I don't know how to say any of these names. No, that was Okay, (laughs) cool. I, I think that it was neat that the Deathly Hallows were able to be tied into the story so easily instead of it being, like, this really random feeling thing. And I also thought in the movie, that was one of the best movie scenes because I feel like a lot of the movie scenes did not entertain me at all, but I was very transfixed when that story was told. It was just really well illustrated. Yeah, I think it was really, really, really cool in the movie. It wasn't, I mean, yeah, I didn't think it was as like interesting to kind of read. I mean, it was, I mean, the whole book was interesting, but like, yeah, I mean... And I also, I don't reread books that much, especially, like, books, like, I guess I hadn't read uh, Deathly Hallows, like, in a while, but I had seen the, I've seen the movie plenty of times, so I I knew exactly, like, what the Deathly Hallows were and all that, so, I mean, yeah, it was was definitely really good in the movie, because I can picture it, and I don't remember the last time I watched Deathly Hallows, I think it was, like, sometime when, the last time I had that Harry Potter movie marathon. Yeah, I can't remember the last time either. That was like a week and a half. Honestly, everything was incredibly interesting to me just because it was my first time reading the series. And like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it way more than I was expecting. So I was really into the last book because I was ready to see how it ended. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, I didn't really care for the ending. But I thought the series as a whole was really good. Yeah. Um, but something I thought that made the last book so interesting like I talked about earlier with Dudley, I think we see a lot of changes in characters in some of their final like moments in the series. And so I kind of want to talk about some of my favorite characters that change throughout. And then after that, if you want to talk about any more characters, we'll bring that up. But I'm going to start with Creature. Because I was very surprised and excited to see that Creature got like this interesting shift in the story in this book. Yeah. Uh, I think it was about time that people like respected Creature the way that they did. Like Harry respected Dobby from the very moment that he met Dobby. But because everyone around was treating Creature a certain way, Harry was never good to Creature. And it felt like this big cycle of negativity. You know, like you could say like, oh, well, Creature was mean too. But I'm like, why would he be nice to anyone? They were just dicks to him. Exactly, yeah. What do you think of Creature? Yeah, I thought it was really cool to see like him change kind of. And honestly, Hermione, like, this is why I love Hermione. Another reason why. She was just so sweet to Creature. And he was, like, so mean to her. (laughs) Yeah, I thought thought he was, it was interesting to see how he, like, changed, like, subtly. And then he started, like, making them food and stuff. That was cute. (laughs) Yeah, and he was pretty mean to Hermione for a long time. But it kind of goes down to, like, who who was better to him, right? Like, Harry and them were all so mean to him that he still, like, pledged his allegiance towards, you know, the dark side, I guess you could say. So he had the views that they they had because that's the people that were, like, good to him, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was like, ah, mudblood or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I mean, right when he turned towards Harry, then he starts treating Hermione well because he knows that Harry's not going to treat her bad. I don't know. I thought it was really cute that they were finally respecting him. And we see that, like, Creature, just like Dudley, 
it was not bad in their own right. Like they were kind of just products of their situations. Yeah, definitely. And someone else who was just wildly different in this book than we envision this character through the rest of the series was Dumbledore. And I didn't quite see that coming. Like when, when all those like newspaper clippings and stuff were coming out of like, what is it? The true lies of Albus. I don't know that, that weird secret life of Albus Dumbledore. Rita Skeeter. Oh my God. I, I hate her. She's <laughs> the absolute worst. But I thought the whole, okay. Like I, my prediction on that story was that it was going to be like bad and Harry was going to be like conflicted, but then we were going to find out that it was all a lie. But I was kind of, kind of shocked to see that we were meant to like find out that, yeah, that, that all was true. And it's not that the angle that was looked at it was wrong. It's just that like any other person, Dumbledore had bad things in his past and he grew out of it with time, but he still wasn't a perfect person. Like even at his peak, he was still, at first I didn't really initially like the way that Dumbledore was painted in this book. And I thought that his character lost a lot of like pizzazz after learning more about him. But now I really appreciate it looking back at what was being done in this book. Cause I think the whole point wasn't, it wasn't to tarnish Dumbledore's reputation. It was to take him off of his high, weird, like godlike stand that he was on because for the first few books, like, the way that he is to Harry, which is the point of view that we're kind of seeing here, is that he was like this all-knowing, all-kind, really good wizard. And we find out that he's only human. Like, yeah, he is an important wizard who did a lot for the wizarding world, but he's a human too. Therefore, he has flaws. And I think that getting his back around, it just, the difference between Dumbledore in the first few books and this one is he's finally humanized. Yeah, definitely. And I think Harry, like, it was like, too much for Harry to handle because he was like so angry with him I mean I I get it well especially towards the end but like at the beginning like when he was like so conflicted I I I don't know I wasn't really understanding it because first of all why would he believe Rita Skeeter she has straight up told lies about him (laughs) she she pissed me off and in the fourth (laughs) the fourth movie really like I don't remember her in the book but in the fourth movie I did not like her (laughs) I don't know. I didn't understand why Harry was so angry in the beginning. And then towards the end, when you would think he should be super, you know, pissed, he was was so calm. I mean, a lot more calm than I was expecting. I definitely see that, like, reflecting on it. I guess the reason that I kind of think it it makes sense in the end is that, like, he was just kind of shocked at the beginning, you know? Because he was still under that impression that Dumbledore, like, died this, like, saint hero and he did no wrong. And so it was, like, shocking to him to find out that he had done wrong. But I think especially in the end, like, you know, Harry said it a few times in the series, like, he he wasn't necessarily mad at Dumbledore for having these things in his past. He was mad at him for never trusting him with the, those secrets or those, like, never opening up to him. Like, he didn't even know he had a brother. <laughs> and in the end, Dumbledore, like, comes forth and admits his faults and, like, opens up to Harry and finally tells him the truth from himself you know like it's kind of like I don't know if you're if your best friend had some really deep dark secret and you found out while reading a newspaper that would probably hurt a lot more than your friend just coming to you with it you know yeah because I'd be I like also, I thought we were friends yeah I mean yeah I mean that makes sense but like I don't know I feel like Dumbledore had to kind of seem like he had every like he knew all the answers so that everybody would trust him like they did you know, I feel like it maybe would be a little bit more difficult for Harry to just blindly be like, look for the horcruxes and stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a, it's a interesting thing to think about because like he does reveal at the end why he didn't tell Harry all of this stuff because he needed him to like be authentic about his decision in the end. And he thought that by giving him the information, if he knew that like he only had to kind of sacrifice himself, then he wouldn't have been truly sacrificing himself. But it's still, like, a question of, of like, he really did, like, raise him for the slaughter because he thought that he was going to die. He never knew that he was going to live the way he did. He didn't really he, – he did everything as a guessing game. And at, at some point, he genuinely believed Harry was going to die, and he still did it. So, like, I kind of understand Dumbledore. I do because, like, he was in a really tough position. Like, 
he knew that the only chance to save the entire world was to get rid of Dumbledore. And the only way to do that was for Harry and Voldemort to go at each other because Voldemort was inside of Harry. So, like, he knew that in the end, something tragic was going to have to happen in order to save the whole world. But, like, it's just hard, you know, because, like, okay, yeah, in hindsight, Harry versus the world. But also, we've read the series. Harry had friends and family and all these people and he was like being knowingly sacrificed by someone he trusts. It's just a screwed up way to happen, you know? I mean, you definitely see it like in the whole flashback of Snape. Like Snape's reaction was really like definitely, you know, one of the things that won won me over. Like, cause you know, you don't, you, you think that Snape is bad literally until he, after he dies. <laughs> Then you find out all that stuff. I mean, he's still not the nicest, but, you know, they find out he, like, was never fully on Voldemort's side. I'm glad you bring that up because that was the next point I had. Is Snape good or bad? And I, I totally agree with that analysis. You have any anything more on Snape? I love Alan Rickman as Snape. Like, he is so, like, I don't know if they would have been able, like, if he wasn't Snape, Harry Potter, the movie series wouldn't even be good. <laughs> Like, I think his actor is why, I mean, I don't, like, I don't love Snape or anything, but I just love him, like, the actor who played him. Like, I think he did it so well. R.I.P., by the way. Yeah, I mean, his actor was really good. He was one of the best portrayed book-to-movie characters. I think a large amount of main characters were really well um, cast. But I think as far as, like, Snape the character, I really... I did love him. I really did. Before book seven, did you? Yeah. Like- Do you yeah. remember when, I think it, we were talking about it when I was still reading the series and I was like, oh, I think my prediction is that Snape really is not bad at all and that he killed Dumbledore because okay. Dumbledore told him to. Like I, <laughs> I kind of was on to his character for a while there because like I was very, very pro Dumbledore. And I, so I was like, Dumbledore knows what he's doing. I know that Dumbledore is not wrong here. And maybe he's not 100% right, but Snape is definitely on Dumbledore's side for some reason. And I was correct about that. So yeah, I did love Snape for a long time. And yeah, I didn't love the moments where he was like torturing the students, but at the same time, I kind of overlooked it. I was like, look, everyone in this story has their bad moments, but Snape, Snape's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I like Draco a lot too. Like I really did like his character throughout the series, even though he had his annoying moments like I don't really know what it is about dark sides but even like in Star Wars and stuff I'm very drawn to the dark characters I think they're cool yeah I mean I just I can't like Snape was so mean to Neville like in particular like Neville was terrified of him and that's why I think I have a bit of a grudge against Snape because I love Neville yeah I love Neville too but eh, I still like Snape but um and I also you know I read the books when I was a child and so anybody who was mean like I hated Draco hated Snape like any of the bad bad guys I was like no I hated them but I mean it's interesting like watching the movies and stuff and reading one of the books like when I'm older and can you know be a little bit more into it like I don't know (laughs) you definitely just experience things different when you're older it has nothing to do with Harry Potter well I did talk about this once how like I didn't like Harry Potter because I liked Star Wars but I definitely grew up on the Star Wars series and as like a little kid I was like Anakin Anakin's the coolest like screw the dark side I mean before before he became Darth Vader I was like oh my god Anakin and then like Luke and all of them I'm like I love the good side like the dark side I would never but now now I'm like actually Kylo Ren had a really good point like (laughs) we could have just destroyed both of the orders because the Jedi's were kind of good but at the same time I don't know like a a new world order would have been kind of nice so I (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about what (laughs) (laughs) okay Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it definitely probably would be a different experience had I read these when I was younger, but I didn't read when I was younger. So there's that. That's what makes this series so fun for me is that, I mean, not that many 22-year-olds in the year 2020 are reading Harry Potter for the first time. I mean, I'm kind of jealous that you get to do, like, experience it like how you did because, I mean, it is it's a really good series. <laughs> I just feel lucky that no one spoiled it for me beforehand. Yeah, I find that so surprising. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I probably have heard 
like so many spoilers about Harry Potter before, but when you don't understand something, especially a universe as big as Harry Potter, if someone walked by me and said, yeah, Dobby died, I wouldn't have registered it or cared to remember it. It would not have ended up in my long-term memory. I mean, I could have known all the spoilers in the past, but like, I didn't give two chits about Harry Potter. So like, it wouldn't have stuck with me, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> getting back on topic real quick, because I feel like this is going to be a long podcast because of our side tangents. <laughs> but um, I did want to talk real quick. Before we get to the final question, I want to talk a bit about that weird afterlife scene because I hated that. I thought it was so cheap feeling, not to be mean, but like, it was just like, he died. Oh no, he didn't die. He's in this random place and Dumbledore is going to talk him out of it. Yeah, I remember like, so I guess reading it was, I think it was, reading it was a lot better. I mean, just because it kind of freaked me out in the movies, <laughs> just because he like was, yeah, Voldemort was really gross <laughs> looking. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it was easy to follow, I guess. Like, oh, if you go on the train, then you'll go on. Like, I don't know. It, was, it, it definitely probably could have been done a lot better i thought it was too predictable in a sense because like even before the story ended like i was pretty positive it was gonna end with like harry destroys voldemort world is saved harry lives voldemort dies and like that's not a bad ending in its own right like it makes sense that's kind of what the series has been leading up to but i think that if 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 she's gonna do like a like a fake out death then that was kind of cheesy because like i don't know I think that Harry, if he was truly going, if he was truly going to mean his sacrifice and give it, he should have gone all the way. (laughs) His sacrifice should have been taken seriously if that was the route they were going with his sacrifice. But like, he was willing to sacrifice himself, but not really, because when he had the option to finish the sacrifice or to go back, he went back. So he, like, maybe he kind of had the intention to sacrifice himself, but in the end, when he had the choice not to, he went with not to. So I didn't even see the point in that whole scene. Like they could have just spared us the moments, and he could have just pretended he died when he hit the floor. And there, ha- there didn't need to be an afterlife. I thought the point was made that he he would have to go back and finish it, or I don't know. I- Not really, because he had already told Neville to kill the snake. I feel like he could have finished the job for him. Like especially if Harry would have died, that part of Voldemort would have died. So the only real thing left would have been to kill the snake and then kill Voldemort, which. The rest of Dumbledore's army was totally capable of it. Not saying that Harry should have died. I'm just saying I didn't really like the afterworld thing. I thought that it made the ending really weird and cheesy. Yeah, like longer than it should have been. <laughs> and longer in the in all the wrong ways. And I, I mean no offense here <laughs> to the story. Like I like the story as a whole. But for such an epic series, I think the ending was just kind of duller than I wanted it to be because... Like underwhelming. Yeah, he like goes into this afterlife thing and he talks to Dumbledore and then he's like fake dead and then he goes up. But the actual fight scene, the big, like the one thing I remember about Harry Potter from my childhood, sort of childhood, I don't know how old I was when Deathly Hallows came out, but I remember seeing the ad on TV and I remember seeing this like epic looking scene between Voldemort and Harry. And like, I didn't know anything about Harry Potter, but I imagined that for people who were into the series, this was going to be a huge epic battle for them to watch. I remember, I, I don't, my siblings were into Harry Potter, so I thought of it briefly and that was it. But when I watched it, I was like, I, it's like they used the entire battle scene in the trailer because it lasted a whole one second when it started. Like, you get this long yeah. build up. And then the actual fight scene is like... Definitely. And I think when they were first getting the, like, castle ready for the big battle, I thought it was so much more entertaining in the book than in the, in the movie. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just seemed so much cooler. Like, with McGonagall, badass. She was so cool. Yeah. Under, yeah, it was underwhelming. For such an epic story, yeah, it, it really was. Like, eh. I was just glad that um, Neville actually did get to kill the snake because I was worried for a second because like I don't remember exactly how it went like I've only read the story once and watched it once but I do remember like the ending was kind of playing out a little bit differently in the movie yeah than it was in the book yeah I remember like I think didn't it in the movie it felt like it was like right in the middle of like like when it was still like when it was like 
in the in Hogwarts when everything was like chaotic, like hectic and stuff. Then like Nagini like lunged at like Harry, I think, or something, and then Neville came out of nowhere and like killed him. Yeah. Th- but then in the book, it was like Neville. It was like in front of everybody. Like when Voldemort came and was like surrender right isn't that yeah 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 that sounds right it was yeah it kind of took away from that shining moment from for neville and i thought that was a little bit of a shame because like like i thought it was really cool when we found out about the prophecy and the fact that neville totally could have been the chosen one and that harry was only by dumb luck the chosen one so like (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of poetic in a sense that he got to kill the snake because he was kind of the chosen one as well yeah and his growth like in this movie i mean i don't know if it was growth in the movie in the book because i mean both i guess <laughs> it was amazing to see because <laughs> i just remember him like in the first movie slash book he was annoying and he was so brave in the last like last few scenes yeah i think one of my favorite moments that made that like literally Neville made the ending of this book cool because without him standing up to Voldemort, that ending would have been so lame. Yeah. (laughs) But it was kind of cool to see a character who had been like, especially because we saw it a lot when he was in his younger years and Snape would intimidate him and he would kind of cower away from Snape. It was really nice to see his character develop to a point where he wasn't standing up to Snape. He was standing up to the biggest, darkest, scariest wizard that everyone was scared of. And he was like, yeah, I ain't gonna follow you. And I was like, damn, Neville. Yeah. I'm really glad the book ending is what I have on my mind right now because it was, I remember, so much better than the movie. And also, I don't remember, like, in the movies, them showing how, like, like I feel like they talked a little bit more in the book about how um, the people who are still there, like Ginny, Luna, and Neville, were, you know, trying to rebel against the ministry and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I liked how Neville was, like, the leader and, and stuff. It was, it was cool. Yeah, it was a neat touch to, like, make the people who were in Dumbledore's army, like, really step up to the plate like you saw that like they were still going at it even when harry was on the run and and not around yeah it was a little neat way to put in the story we kind of already answered my discussion question so i'm gonna switch it just a little bit so that we can still answer it but before i get into the final question of the podcast do you have anything else you want to say about the book and movie comparison because we've kind of been talking about it the whole time but this is the moment to say anything else if you want to add uh i don't i don't think so um yeah oh um i I mean i guess the torture scene you don't really get to see it happen but you like hear about it i think that is like one of the few parts where like the movie was just a little bit more like i I don't want to say better because it was hermione being tortured but i think it was more dramatic in the movie like i don't know hearing the screaming was awful (laughs) yeah that scene was pretty intense and i yeah and it made me hate oh okay actually never mind i thought i'm pretty sure it was in the movie i was thinking about when molly fought bellatrix it was awesome to read about but i'm pretty sure it was also in the movie when she was like not my daughter bitch yeah she did that was in the movie but it was way more epic in the book yeah yeah, everybody was just watching. So sick. The definitely like the the fight scenes were so much better in the book. Yes, they were. <laughs> I totally agree. That that scene was like way more epic in the book, especially because like in the book it lasted way longer. Like they were dueling for a lot longer time and like we got a lot of description of their back and forth. But I just thought it was so savage that she like murdered her. Because like <laughs> I mean, obviously in that kind of a battle it's do or die. But yeah. like like, we've never seen Molly do anything like that. And, like, n- not not cast a bad spell on anyone or anything like that. And all of a sudden, we see her commit murder. <laughs> like, yeah. it was an intense character development moment. Definitely. I mean, it was just, like, Mama Bear. She just, she said, not my daughter. <laughs> the only other, like, big thing from the movies to me that was so different, and it was just, this could just be my twisted concept of time, but I felt like the book, Like, I felt like it was like this, it was meant to be this long, long extended period of time. It was months and months and basically like almost like a whole year or something that they were on the run. In the movie, to me, it felt like it was like five days. (laughs) 
definitely. That's, I think that's why I like struggled a bit with reading through this whole book because like my, like I knew what happened in the book and in the movie, but I had seen the movie so many more times than I had read the book. And it was so quick when they were like camping and stuff. So when I was reading it, I was like, holy shit, when are they going to stop camping? <laughs> That's how I felt the whole book. I was like, I really thought I was in for like action, adventure, but they're just camping and then doing and something stupid for another. a while. <laughs> exactly. There was so many feelings in this book. I was like, you have to calm down, find the Horcruxes, save the world, move on. Yeah, for real. And one other thing that I just thought was really adorable in the books that you don't really see and I mean that I don't really remember that much in the movie um, is that Hermione was so against believing that the Deathly Hollows were real. <laughs> she was like, she just had to be right. And I thought that was just funny because it's like the one most important thing that she was not correct. <laughs> it was a little weird of them to be like, the Deathly Hollows aren't a clue when the sign for the Deathly Hollows was literally everywhere. And Dumbledore literally gave her the Tales of Beetle and Bart book in Hermione's mind it was a weird coincidence don't follow the obvious lead when you have nothing else to go off I guess that was really it for the movie comparisons I mean I don't know like I said in the recap episode that I did before this one I definitely think that upon reading this series a second time and then being more experienced with watching the movies I feel like it'll be easier to like take more out of the story and pick up on it it was just so much happening that I do like I definitely feel like one read is not enough to really grasp everything that happened. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I would read them again, but (laughs) just because they're so long and I have so many books I have to read. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first three books aren't too big, but books four through seven are huge. So yeah, reading it. I did have to take a break in the last part of the series though remember it was a good series and i guess now i can ask the last question because this went on way longer than i was expecting i thought this would be like a 30 minute podcast at most (laughs) but (laughs) but um that's cool i mean i hope it's still enjoyable (laughs) all right so the question originally was going to be how do you feel about the ending but there was a second part to the question And it's the last part, the truly last part of this book, where we jump ahead a few years and the kids are there. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that ending? I mean, I'm going to be honest, I didn't read that in the book. (laughs) So I'm going to go off of what I remember from the movies and from reading the book. Um, I think that, honestly, I think the fact that uh, Harry named his kid um, Severus Snape. I mean, what did he? Albus Severus. Some something weird like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I I didn't really like that. <laughs> um, but yeah. What were what What were your thoughts? Yeah, I can agree with that. I thought that was weird and cheesy, and I thought the entire ending thing there was weird and cheesy. And I'm not trying to be like mean or pretentious when I say that I thought that some of this stuff was just cheesy feeling is because the series was really good and I thought that my favorite thing about the Harry Potter series was that it didn't feel cheesy while you're reading it like it really like I always thought it would be kind of cheesy like oh this wizarding world but like when you're reading it it's like the world building is so good it feels so authentic but I feel like something about this last book there were moments that were just they weren't sitting quite the same way that this series has sat with me before and this moment in particular really did not sit with me well at all because I just it's not to me it's not at all realistic that every one of the couples that was starting to happen in that book series ended up getting married and having kids together that's not how life works like they were basically like high school sweethearts and they all married their high school sweethearts and had kids and now their kids are the same age and they're going off to school like it is really convenient (laughs) yeah I mean, Harry's parents, too. I don't know. But, but for, for that to happen to Harry and his best friends and all his other friends that all stayed connected, like, that's yeah. just, like, it's, it's amusing for people who've, like, watched this series before to see that, like, all the characters are still in each other's lives. But more realistically, you know, people drift apart. They move away. You don't end up living your whole life next to the people you graduated high school with. No one does. Like, there's, <laughs> you grow up. 
and people drift away you meet new people like like the way that the, it ended it was kind of like they never made friends again they all just stayed together and that was their happy ending but it's like I don't know in my happy ending Hermione would have grown up a little bit in like a year or two realized Ron was not enough for her left that situation they would have awkwardly tried to stay friends while they were still friends with Harry but they weren't that close anymore because that's weird and <laughs> And then they all made new friends at their jobs. And so they ended up meeting new people and they ended up having a normal life where they don't just obsessively only like surround themselves with the people they went to school with. <laughs> That's how you wish the ending would have been. <laughs> the ending should have been, yeah, like a normal ending. But yeah, I think it wasn't that bad. But I also am not in slightly inclined, like not even a little inclined to read The Cursed Child because if it's anything like that ending, it's not for me. That was our recap of the series. If you want to answer the questions that we answered, talk about anything we talked about, I'll have a link in the description to the Goodreads book club. But that's it. Thank you for being on, Ella. Thanks for having me. I had fun. I had a good time. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. And until next time, stay psyched.